Good morning. Let's take a minute to set up real quick. Took off on me. <laughs> Good morning. I uh, <clears throat> in this uh, in setting up for this this lesson, uh, I'm glad Kyle read that uh, those verses for me because I can't do worse than him as far as <laughs> pronouncing those names. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> you know, uh, in this world, there's a lot of unknown people that do great things, and they don't get a lot of recognition until they are recognized. Um, I remember back in the 70s, 1972, 1973, 1974, the athletics, the Oakland A's, <clears throat> won three World Series back to back, 72, 3, 4, and 4. And uh, looking that up, <clears throat> how many teams have won more than three World Series in a row. There's only two teams. Can you venture to guess who the other one was beside the Oakland A's? The Yankees. They did it four times, <clears throat> back to back. During the days of Ruth, they took five series in a row. Later on, they took four series in a row, and again, they took in the late uh, 80s, I think, they took four more. So <clears throat> the Yankees and the Athletics are the only two teams that have done that. What's interesting about the Athletics is they didn't have any known players at the time. They were all unknowns. If you look at their salaries to start with, they had all basic salaries. <clears throat> it wasn't until um, 1978 when they are uh, contracts were up that uh, Charlie O'Finley, who owned the athletic, he became my hero because he said no ball player is worth that much money. And so when their contracts came up and they wanted more money, he sold them to a team that would pay more money. Reggie Jackson, who was on that team at the time, got half a million dollars from the New York Yankees for playing there. He got half a million for five years. <clears throat> over half a million. Vita Blue, who was uh, one of the three pitchers that became famous from this. It was Raleigh Fingers, Catfish Hunter, and Vita Blue. Vita Blue went to San Francisco and got a little more money. Uh, Catfish Hunter went to the Yankees and got quite a bit of money. Raleigh Fingers went to the Padres, and he didn't get quite as much money. But uh, it's just interesting that unknown players like that, playing as a team, could accomplish a feat uh, winning three World Series back-to-back. -back. 
and they did it, and they were all unknown players at the time. <clears throat> I had uh, Kyle read uh, Colossians, the fourth chapter, because we're going to look at ten men who are mentioned here. They're virtually unknown, except two of them, that uh, <clears throat> very little is said about them. All we know is what we have in the scriptures. Uh, looking up background on some of these men, there's a lot of conjecture of who they might be or what saint they became or, and what, or what bishop they, they uh, became a in the church. But um, here, Paul just refers to them as either fellow laborers, fellow workers, um, fellow soldiers. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to look at these men this morning, these ten. And like I said, uh, I may butcher them worse than Kyle, but uh, we're going to look at these men and, and what they did and what they accomplished. First one is Tychicus. He was uh, <clears throat> over in Colossians, the fourth chapter, as Kyle read there in, in uh, verse 7, he says, As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances that may encourage your hearts. Over in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, kind of a parallel passage, Ephesians 6, 21 he says, but that you also may know about my circumstances, I am doing, how I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you, know, you may know about us and that you may comfort your hearts. Here, uh, Tychicus had a job to do, and that was to um, <clears throat> speak the word, encourage uh, the church there at Colossae and at Ephesus, and in, in one passage, to encourage their hearts, and in, in Ephesus it says comfort your hearts. So his job was to go about and uh, tell of how Paul was doing, <coughs> and this, these were written in Rome, I believe, so he was sent out to uh, report on Paul and to give encouragement and tell how he was doing. And <clears throat> we at this, we at, the lesson to us for, for today is that we should want to herald the word of God or, and that we may uh, encourage others, uh, that their hearts may overflow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and the, the second one mentioned there is Onesimus. Now Onesimus, is, uh, <clears throat> is kind of interesting. Uh, he was a runaway slave that dwelt in Colossae, and his name means useful. As we turn over to Philippians, or Philemon, book of Philemon, we find that Paul mentions in his uh, behalf there to uh, Philemon, in verse 10, he says, I appeal to you, my child Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my imprisonment, who formerly was useless to you, but now is useful both to you and to me. I have sent him back to you in person, that is, sending my very heart. 
whom I wish to keep with me so that on your behalf he might minister to me in my imprisonment for the gospel. But without your consent, I did not want to do anything so that your goodness would not be, in effect, by compulsion, but of your own free will. For perhaps he was for this reason separated from you for a while that you would have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. There Onesimus uh, had run away. He was dwelling in Colossae. And uh, Paul recognizes that even though um, he was useless to Onesimus, he was useful to him in his efforts. And <clears throat> uh, there he... He spent uh, with Paul, and Paul wishes that he could remain with him, but he, he recognized that he did belong to uh, Philemon and that uh, he, was a, he became a brother to both Paul and Philemon and that he was once useless, but now he's useful. <clears throat> and the gospel can turn us into useful people by encouraging others and and uh, spreading the gospel. <clears throat> Aristarchus, uh, <clears throat> here in verse uh, 10, he's, he says, my fellow prisoner greets you, and he encourages them to suffer one another, suffer with one another. Here, Aristarchus, there's a lot, <clears throat> not a lot known about him. He was a Macedonian of Thessalonica, and he was one of Paul's companions in the ministry. And he was a minister in his, he was a companion in his suffering. <clears throat> he traveled with Paul through Asia, Acts 19:29 uh, and, and 20, verse 4, and 27, verse 2. He was with Paul during the riot at Ephesus in Ephesians uh, 19.29, and he proceeded, or Acts 19.29, and he proceeded Paul to Troas. He was a faithful companion and a friend, and he accompanied Paul to Rome in Acts 27th chapter, where he attended Paul, and he shared in his imprisonment. <coughs> and we need people like Aristarchus, who stay focused in the kingdom rather than, uh, regardless of the consequences, who rejects with us in times of joy and mourn with us in times of trial. He had a purpose in that he encouraged Paul while he was in prison there in, in Rome. Uh, having trouble finding my, I think. Mark. Mark is a well-known uh, person. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. And we find in Acts, the uh, 15th chapter, Mark there was one of the causes of the church's early splits. Paul and Barnabas had a falling out as to whether to take Mark because he didn't, uh, he dropped out of the first ministry or missionary journey and he uh, <clears throat> continued, he went to Pergus. Perga, uh, and 
he had abandoned Paul, and later uh, he became uh, reunited with Paul and became in his good graces. Um, looking at his life, <clears throat> Clement of Alexander uh, in 150 to 215 tells us that Mark served as an um, interpreter in Rome and wrote his gospel through Peter's remembrances of his physical um, appearance. Uh, we are only told, rather oddly, uh, neither was... Um, he was considered a stumpy finger hand. He couldn't write very well. However, writing at a later time, uh, the church historian Eusebius, Eusebius says um, <clears throat> that Mark was the first evangelist to Egypt and the founder of the church there at Alexander. So Mark later uh, redeemed himself, and even though Paul was reluctant to take him. He, uh, he redeemed himself and that uh, he fell, but he got back up. And that's an example for all of us. We, run, we can fall in what we do, but it's whether we get back up or not. Mark is a good example of that. <clears throat> Justice. Justice. <clears throat> says, make Christianity your first identity. Mark, uh, some conjecture because his name uh, in the beginning there, it says in verse 11 of Colossians 4, it says, and so does justice, Jesus, who is called justice. Uh, these alone are the circumstances, are my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Uh, it's conjectured that he dropped that name Jesus and went by justice because he didn't want to be confused with the Savior, Jesus Christ. And so he put his Christianity first. And that's uh, something that we should do. Secondly, he left his own people, the Jews, in order to spread the gospel among those in Rome. He was... He wasn't first and foremost a Jew, but he, he put himself in a place as a Christian so that he may teach others, and that's what his identity, uh, that's the identity that he wanted to be known as was a Christian. <clears throat> Epaphras, we don't read a lot about him. There's few scriptures um, in uh, in verses 12 through 13, Paul says of, uh, in Colossians 4, he says, Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you, sends you the greetings always, laboring earnestly for you in the prayers that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he was a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Aeropolis. Chapter 1, that uh, I had Preston read, um, he, Paul mentions Epaphras there in the beginning. In verse 7, he says, Just as you've learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. He's heralded there as, as uh, 
a faithful servant, and that his prayers, uh, he prayed constantly for them, for those at Colossae and for Paul. <clears throat> he was burdened by the spiritual immaturity he saw in others, and he went before the throne of grace and contended for God's people in prayer. And we can learn from uh, Epaphras in the same way. If every time we're uh, troubled, we go to God in prayer, and we, can, and we don't let this life get us down, but we look to him, God, that is, and for our strength. And Epaphras is a good example of that. He spent a lot of time in prayer, and Paul recognizes that, and uh, he commends him for it. <clears throat> Another well-known person out of these ten was Luke. Luke was uh, <clears throat> an author. He was probably the first or only non-Jewish author of the New Testament writings, uh, the canon writings. Others have written gospels, but uh, not necessarily uh, canonized as Luke. Luke was a physician, and he probably ministered to Paul during his times of, of uh, physical ailments. We read about over in 2 Corinthians how that Paul was, uh, had, a, had an affliction. Luke was probably there and, and probably uh, ministered to him doesn't say so, but Luke was a, a traveling a companion, and he wrote the book of Luke and Acts, and we see that he, uh, again, in Colossians, he says that Luke is there uh, in Rome with him, and he sends his greeting, and <clears throat> we can all be like Luke, you know, our uh, Luke was a physician by trade, and even, even us in our jobs can be an influence on those around us. We can teach by our example. My uh, first years in the Navy, I worked in a shop that uh, <clears throat> I, had, I had a great deal of trouble with, but uh, I, I insisted on going to church on Sunday, and... Uh, that was kind of a magical thing back in those days. If you said you were going to church, nobody said a word. They let you go to church. So I would go to church, and when I came back on Sunday, I normally did my uh, usual work, but they all recognized that I was a churchgoer and that I, I, I was a Christian. And any time, and it was mentioned this morning, any time somebody swore they apologized real quick. And I find that the same today um, in, in, the, in my job today that anytime somebody swears or says something uh, that might be inappropriate, they apologize. So if we know, if they know who we are, we don't have to tell them. They, they can see that and they recognize it and they give us they give us the uh, respect we deserve. And Luke, as a physician, used his, his position, too, 
to God's glory. <clears throat> and he was considered a, uh, a beloved son over in 2 Timothy, the second chapter, Paul called him, or ch verse chapter, verse 2, he called him his beloved son. And also in chapter 1, he called him his child. Demas. Demas can be an example of what we need to watch for, watch out for. Demas was considered a fellow soldier in Philemon, and he was considered here as a, uh, <clears throat> a beloved uh, a brother. Uh, but over in uh, 2 Timothy, uh, verse 10, Paul warns there that Paul warns that Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. We see that we can be overcome by the world. Uh, that was one of the uh, questions in class this morning. How, how is the Christian life uh, compared to uh, Israel when they went in and took the land? Well, if you don't put away all the cares of the world, you're going to fall back in. And he's an example that he went back to the world rather than continue to serve God and, and uh, be a uh, faithful servant to uh, Paul. He turned his back on him and, and fell. And we need to be on guard of that, and we need to continue to... Uh, Strengthen ourselves through study. <clears throat> Nympha. There we can do what we, what we can with what we have. In our red songbooks, and I thought uh, Taylor was going to lead that because in the red book that uh, room, um, Lord Send Me is on the opposite page uh, or on, on the flip side of it. Number 80 has always been a, a favorite song of mine. It says, there is room in the kingdom of God, my brother, for the small things you can do. Just a small kindly deed that may cheer another is the work God has planned for you. Just a cup of cold water in his name given. May the hope in some heart renew. Do not wait to be told nor by sorrow driven to the work God has planned for you. There's a place in the service of God for workers who are loyal to him and true. Can't you say to him now, I will leave the shirkers and the work that was planned, I'll do. Nympha, her only, the only um, time that she's mentioned is here in Colossians. And she opened her home to the saints there, to the brothers, and so that they could worship. And... There's not, uh, <clears throat> not a lot that we can read about Nympha. In fact, this is the only passage we have, and this is all we know. And as far as a small thing that was done, we see that uh, Jesus, uh, when he asked to use a boat from some fishermen, that he took that simple boat and he made it a pulpit. He preached a lesson from that boat. With a small boy's packed lunch of bread and fish, he fed 5,000. 
and again, 4,000. And with a little dirt from the ground, Jesus gave the sight to a blind man. And he, in his death, he borrowed the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, which became empty to prove that Christ had resurrected. So there are, we, sometimes we, we think that we don't have anything to, or we can't do great things in the church. Just visiting, calling, uh, being here encourages us. And that's, that's a little, that may seem like a trivial thing to you, but it, it goes a long way to each of us. If these seats were empty, when, the, when, I, when you stand up here, you would either think you didn't bathe or you didn't put on your deodorant or nobody cared or uh, you picked the wrong day. So just being here encourages us, encourages anybody who's, who stands up here. The last one we're going to look at is Archippus. 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 See, I'm butchering that too. <laughs> he says to tell Archippus, pay attention to the ministry you've received in the Lord so that you can accomplish it. He's challenging then he's challenging him to stay on track. And we need to do that <clears throat> as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Paul's letter to the Colossians, the Colossian church, uh, contains a personal challenge to Archippus, but it can be done for all of us. Over in Philemon 2, he's called a fellow soldier, and Archippus uh, which means um, groom. I, I should have been telling you the names of all the rest of these. Um, nympha actually means bridegroom or bride, depending on whether it's male or female. <coughs> and here it means um, chief groom. In one I looked up, it means chief horseman. But it's a, this is an example of how Christians are to challenge one another. <clears throat> we need to exhort our brothers and sisters in Christ in order to grow in our faith. <clears throat> Aristarchus, Archippus, Nympha, Justus, these are just a few of the names uh, in the Bible of New Testament un unknowns. And they're unknown because their primary focus is on making sure that the praise of Jesus Christ were sung by the people from all the tribes, tongues, and nations. And when our passionate desire is that of Christ, then we too can be unknown heroes. Lessingers, the uh, song selected, number 331. Stand and sing that song in the blue.